0: <laughs>
1: and, I, and I thought about changing up the intro, but we've committed now! <laughs> we have to keep doing it! Yeah. The same, oh same God, it's For uh, another it's,
0: 700 episodes. It's unstoppable now. Oh God. We've reached... Maximum, we we can't go back. The momentum is just unstoppable. Yes, Um, or as the French say, "You're gonna go on (laughs) there, go on forever and ever."
1: Such is life, Uh, or as the French say, "Such is life." So there you go. (laughs) <laughs> we just lost our one French listener. But the rest of you are still here and that's what counts. Hi everybody. Welcome back to the big damn cast. Nerdy news, geeky gossip, political opinions, whatever the hell yeah. we want to talk yeah. about. Because knows. the world is happening around us and Whoa. we're stuck at home recording our 14th
0: question mark consecutive I, Skype episode. I don't know. I I really don't know.
1: I was I was very jealous. I was very jealous of my wife yesterday because I was I was at work and she popped round to see you guys and drop off prezzies for your better half. Yeah. And uh, she got to see you guys in the flesh.
0: Responsibly and socially distanced, I might add.
1: Just, yeah. Just to make... from, from from back door yeah. to end of garden and Not, that and end, whatnot, not that anyone
0: seems to give a fuck anymore, but, you know, just to... Oh, not tell me about reassure me it. Reassure
1: everyone. It was, but it, I was very jealous. She came back, she saw me a selfie she'd taken of her and you guys in the background posing up a storm. And I was just like,
0: oh, I want to see them. We always
1: pose uh, up a storm. And the man I want to see, of course, is my lovely co-host Matt. Oh, give him to
0: me, Watson. And the man who wants to see me is Chris. Oh, madam Johnson, madam Johnson. Um, you remembered my
1: street name. Ah, yes. Um, <laughs> Just before we recorded, we we had a little catch up, and we we were talking about what we do in the shadows, which uh, its second season finally arrived in the UK about two weeks ago on uh, BBC iPlayer, and uh, it's going out. On yes. BBC Two, I think week by week as well. For those who don't use catch up, because apparently there are people like that. Um, and I, I apologise in advance for if we just slip into Matt Berryisms, because holy shit, Laszlo is a funny character. I Even apologize. though as we've just discussed, Laszlo is just every other Matt Berry character, but he's wearing more
0: velvet. More velvet and teeth.
1: Like that's the only difference, but it works. It
0: works. However, uh, I do, <laughs> I do want to. Just put it out there that Guillermo is the best character in that show. Oh, Guillermo's got an arc.
1: He's got an arc. It's a sitcom where the toys go back in the box at the end of every episode, except Guillermo. Yeah. And it's like, nice, okay.
0: And, well, um, uh, you've not got
1: to the end. You've not got to the end of the series yet, but I will no. say, um, I will say, you know how series one sort of ended with a kind of oh, toward the end that made you go, right, well. I'm happy to see more of this because it's funny, but I also want to know where they're going to go with that. Series two does some of that too. So... Well, that's
0: good because it's got it's got a third season. This third season, Yay! is coming. Um, and but a yeah, ha- theme song. Um, Harvey Guillen, who plays Guillermo, he has a he has the John Krasinski in the Office skill. Yes, of just being yes. able to do so much with a look to camera. Hmm. Which, and it's know.
1: just it's just those fleeting asides as well. Yeah. It's not prolonged. And it's it's, you know, it, it's something blanks.
0: that's kind of unique to the mockumentary genre. But um, yeah, he's really got that, and it's just joyous. He's and magical, he's...
1: and the guest cast have been great. This series, oh as well.
0: fantastic guest cast! I mean,
1: you, you've now you've now had the Jackie Daytona episode. Yeah, so you've 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 bathed in the Mark <laughs> Hamill of that story.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Tony Tamanik coming back as as uh, is, it, is Gary the name of the neighbor coming uh, back as the neighbor and uh, uh, uh the what the what Sean where every, Sean. Sean that's it yeah where um, everyone gathers around and looks at the superb owl <laughs> uh, it's a superb owl party oh
0: good god uh, we got Just Craig like, Sorry go on we've we got, got um, Craig Robinson Craig Robinson. always <gasps> a joy to see Craig Robinson
1: in more than one
0: episode as well, I was yeah. so happy about that. And um, yeah, Nick roll returning as Simon the Devious, <laughs> Simon the fucking Devious. Um, it's
1: just, a name, yeah. a name that just sounds once removed from Ray Bloody Purchase.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's been it's been really. I mean, starting starting the first one with Haley Joel Osment and Benedict Wong.
0: Oh yeah, Haley Joel like, Osmond, of course.
1: And <laughs> Benedict Topher. Wong
0: Benedict Wong just being <laughs> just perfect <laughs> I love Benedict Wong this thick northwest brogue, like
1: <laughs> in the middle of this cast of, of mostly Brits playing like European stereotype yeah. vampires in yeah. an American TV series developed by a New Zealand TV company
0: pretty much
1: <laughs> like what um, is this it's <laughs> ah, ah. I can't remember if Taika Waititi directed any of this series, but he's, he's, he, he, he produced the series. Mm. Jermaine Clement directs a couple of episodes. Yeah. Um, so, like, it still feels completely a part of the original film. And that's kind of made me upset in a way because there's no, been no way outside of New Zealand so far to legally watch Wellington Paranormal. Yeah. Which was the first spin-off from yeah. uh, What We Do in the Shadows, of the film. Um, and also, like because of the the Fox series, because of what we do in the shadows, there's been a bit of a delay on what was going to be the follow up film, "We Are Wolves." Um, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is a great title. Yeah. But um, you know, we'll see. Maybe, maybe they'll all fold it together in some way instead, and just like adapt like that film into like a, an arc on on what we do in the shadows or something. Yeah. But yeah. I'm there can, for one it. One can
0: only hope. Uh, have you been keeping up with Harley Quinn? Uh, no, I've watched f- three or four episodes, I think. The last one I watched was when she finally gets her crew together.
1: Yes. It's oh, um, a great cast. And, God, and it is a good they cast. They do the,
0: the heist on Maxi Zeus. Oh,
1: yes, who's like a motivational speaker for supervillains. Yeah. Oh my it's very God, good. it's such a good take. Yeah, I, I, uh, we're up to the... As of this recording, we're up to all the ones that are available on on E4, uh, E4's four E catch-up service. Yeah. Mm. Um, and again, like this is a show that I'm so surprised isn't just comedy, like the story arc and the ac- story arc and the action is really good in the yeah. show it get i think I feel like the pilot is a bit of a lie because the series after the pilot is nowhere near as gruesome, yeah, I've kind of felt that um and like it's almost like they've they tried to shock everyone in week one and then they were like, "You're still here, good, stick around, yeah, the language has stuck around though like it's been swe- it's been an absolute like. Especially Tony Hale as, uh, as Dr. Psycho, who gets to just, like... That's
0: brilliant. Absolutely brilliant like, stuff.
1: Like, a, a full-on Justice League-level threat. Like, one, one of Wonder Woman's arch enemies kicked out of the Legion of Doom because he called Wonder Woman a C-word on television. <laughs> just like even the legion are like yeah that's a pr nightmare we can't have you on the legion but it was oh but tony hale is he's rocking it he is so so good in that role. i mean the whole cast
0: of is great like it's not a surprise to see him bringing it <laughs> voice-wise
1: and i'm so glad that jason alexander is in it more as well i thought he just bought be a cameo yep. as, as um i've got his name now this is bloody landlord but i he's in it that's it keeps cool. being in it going forward. Um, which is nice, because it's also a character from the New 52 run that I fell in love with. So it's like, oh, right, they're mostly drawing from this. Okay, sure, let Yeah, do it's, it
0: is very New 52 slash um, Rebirth era DC mm. that they're pulling from. It's, and it's it, kind
1: of got a hint of uh, Gail Simone's... Um, uh, Secret Six yeah. kind of yeah, that, that sort of vibes in there as well. I mean, King Shark's King Shark's personality is
0: different, but he's he's still as lovable. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm also enjoying. Uh, yeah, it's it's got a, more than a little bit of. Um, oh Christ! What am I thinking of now? It it's Ooh. got a lot of good shit in it. There we go. That's, that's it's got good shit. It's yeah. full of good shit. Uh, it's full of, uh, ah, that's what it, I was thinking of. It's got, it's got the Tom King version of Kite Man.
1: Yes. Which
0: I, which is probably the best thing to come out of Tom King's Batman run. Um, I know I liked, I liked it a lot more than you did. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't as one over,
1: but, but that means his, I didn't get to sample the fruits of later on. Yeah, which Of course. His version of,
0: of Kite, Kite man, man is fucking wonderful. Um, <laughs> you get a sort of version of that here. Um, so yeah that's that's been fun
1: it's a damn good show well speaking of damn good show uh you could listen to anything else right now but if you stick yeah. with us stick we to we'll show about you the ropes. News. we'll show you the chains We'll we'll show you whatever you want to be bound up in we don't judge we don't kink shame on this show these chains of love uh,
0: that judith priest we'll was talking about
1: oh well as I say, we don't kink shame, as we'll prove later when we talk about someone who uh, has dearly departed. Yeah, and absolutely filled their work with the things that uh, were kinks for them. But, uh, um, yep, yep, a do that But first off, let's before we talk about uh, people who've died, let's talk about something that's dead to me. Um, as we record this, the new trailers for uh, Avengers, uh, specifically stuff labelled War Room.
0: So I guess that's like uh, one of the story arcs or something. Marvels. Avengers, I think, of mine. Yeah.
1: Which is really annoying because they've confirmed it won't be connected to Insomniac's Marvel Spider Man. Yeah, weird. Weird choice So it's like yeah, it's like, why would you
0: do that? That's ah I, uh-huh. I guess it's because they don't want to have to worry about the stories treading on each other's toes because it's already established that there are Avengers that in Insomniac Spider Man.
1: Yeah, well, it was dead simple. You just do what Insomniac Spider-Man did and not have them show up in the game, but acknowledge that they exist. Right? I, know, but I feel but I feel team. like
0: because of the way, because of what the story's about, yeah, you then get people going. Oh, why wasn't that reflected in Insomniac Spider-Man? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um,
1: well, Insomniac did uh, did the work on Spider-Man and the upcoming Spider-Man Miles Morales. This is uh, an effort from the Tomb Raider team mm-hmm. uh, at Square Enix, um, <clears throat> Crystal Dynamics uh we've seen footage of this on and off for a year now, yeah uh, the initial trailer where everyone got a good look at the the core five Avengers that uh, are in the team in the opening of the story which is essentially the first movie lineup minus Hawkeye yeah um and at the time I was like, oh they've done my boy dirty by leaving him out they've done him dirty <laughs> and now I'm like and now I'm like no, they were sparing him they were sparing him because when we first saw that cast lineup everyone acknowledged the faces look odd
0: it just kind of looks i maintain odd. it's because people are so used to the mcu versions of those characters now that to get True. sort of captain az's versions that just aren't quite there yeah
1: is... well to me it just sort of in terms of the the movement and everything it kind of felt like i was looking at a character model from the late ps3 kind of era of gaming yeah. uh, specifically because they're going for a realistic look it's not a stylized look yeah um, and i mean when you know I recently replayed Uncharted 4, and I was mm. marvelling at how gorgeous this works and, and looks. You wait till you see The Last of Us Part Two, son. Oh, God, I've, the, the screenshots Keeks has been sharing on the, the PS4 community and stuff, I'm like, that looks amazing. You need to see it in like, motion to sort of... Just the basic details yeah. are, are incredible. But, but, like, Drake looks like a real person in Uncharted 4. Mm. If you go back, everybody, to Uncharted... Uncharted, Drake's Fortune, the first one. Uncharted, are, Uncharted... Drake's
0: Fortune, yeah. the first it's one a, to give it its, it's full
1: a, title, <laughs> the Nathan Drake collection HD yeah. remaster. Like they, it looks amazing and it plays amazing. The story's great, the cast is great, but like they're stylized.
0: Hmm.
1: The, the first three games of the series, they have a slightly cartoony, stylized design to them. Every character does. It's only the fourth one that goes realistic. Again, well, they're still look,
0: coming from a place of Jack and Daxter.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it, and, and then, it they're works. sort of moving,
0: getting to the most, into the less stylized stuff as the Uncharted series goes on.
1: But what I'm saying is if you took, and it's the same with um, another great comparison is Arkham Asylum and Arkham Knight, the first and final stories in a a game series made by the same studio. The first one is absolutely comic book stylized, Mm. you know, grimy and gritty, but absolutely part of just this gothic comic book style uh, design. Mm. And then you look at Arkham Knight and Arkham Knight is designed to be as realistic as possible. To his detriment, oh, I, the vehicles I of the rain. Oh, I agree. Because the only character who who hasn't had an overhaul in it is Joker. Uh, spoiler alert, the Joker appears in some capacity in that game. But he's the only one who what? hasn't had... He's the only one who hasn't had um, that much of a design tweak. And he doesn't look too bad. Like, his eyes are less cartoony, and that's kind of it. Mm. And it, it, it works fine. But I know what you mean. It's sort of like everyone's kind of lost their flair in that last one. Yeah. I mean, again gorgeous looking game but it's everyone's kind of lost their flair and i feel that's what the dissonance with avengers marvel's avengers for ps4 was is it almost looks like it's the stylized look of a more cartoony delivery but with the realistic skin realistic texture and in the latest footage out today i'm still feeling that a bit especially with bearded bruce and bigger bearded tony yeah they kind of look like if you were doing it Cause even even Spidey PS4 is it it's it's naturalistic and realistic texture wise and proportions aren't necessarily comic book, but when it comes to the more comic booky elements, that's where they like embellish it a bit and go, ah, we're gonna stretch it. It, like that's where they go, Sam Raimi Spider-Man style. Like mm. everyone in Sam Raimi's first Spider-Man movie is a human being, obviously, but they don't try and make. Even though they go the route of oh, it's a tech suit, the Green Goblin suit still looks like a cartoon. Yeah, like it still looks over overblown, and and you just accept it.
0: Like Spider PS4 is the same. Like as, as much as people see- like to dunk on it, and um, I, I I usually defend it. The Green Goblin costume does look a bit Power Rangers like.
1: Yeah, there's no, no way absolutely around it does. There's
0: no way around it. That's true.
1: It. But you, you, you just kind of go, yeah, sure, all right. And Spidey PS4 is like that. You look at how Peter looks. and you, well, like A great example is you look at how um, Octavius looks. And he yeah. kind of has the more realistic design throughout the game because obviously there's more of an emotional through line, through line with him. But mm. you can also look at Scorpion, for example, even though Scorpion looks like a big green cartoon man. Like they, I I believe they exist in the same world. This Avengers, it kind of looks like that they're trying to be super realistic, but the characters they're working with require that more stylized edge to them. They require it. I mean, one of our main characters is Kamala Khan. Yeah. Like the only thing I'll be honest that I'm kind of excited about for this game is that Miss Marvel is one of the main characters in the campaign. Um, her powers involve her body like Mm. stretching and morphing to cartoonish proportions. In biggin. Yeah, you can't do that realistically like in a grounded way. You have to embrace the the ridiculousness of it all. Yeah. Uh, and I think they do, but then you look at how super serious the other characters look and how s- sort of streamlined and straightforward and grounded the designs are and you're like, I mean, Cap's armor's a great example. Cap's costume looks awful. It's like right yeah, night, I don't like Cap's it costume. It just looks weird. Um, yeah. It's, I don't know, but, but this latest trailer essentially hints at the greater story. Uh, Inhumans play a big part in the story, like the existence of Inhumans. Oh, um, so you can tell
0: this has been in development for four years then.
1: Yeah, well, they've, they've, <laughs> out, they've outright, they're, they're outright the, the word Inhumans is used in this trailer, so they outright, like, go for it. And it seems that the storyline is some horrible shit happens one day. Uh, Cap loses his life saving the day and we skip forward five years to a and I think this is why it's losing me even more a sort of Mm. partially post-apocalyptic style like security state and all this.
0: Well again, that's why it's not going to be set in the same universe as Insomniac Spider-Man.
1: But like, so everyone's underground a bit and then humans are being rounded up and experimented on by AIM and Mm. the Avengers have Mm. disbanded ages ago and It's just sort of like... I don't believe that the Avengers would part and go their separate ways if the world was fucked. Do you know what I mean? That's not them. That's not who they are. Individual members, yeah, because you could tell stories about that. But, like, all of them? No. Like, what the hell? And it takes Kamala Khan finding Bruce Banner and showing him what's going on behind the doors of AIM to get him to get to Tony and then, like... And, and there's a scene in the trailer where Thor and Iron Man are arguing in like presumably Stark Tower or an Avengers base or something. And it's like, mm. oh, this is like the Age of Ultron scene. Yeah, this just looks weird now. This just looks really weird. Like It looks so odd. I think it's almost dangerous to try and for them to purposefully make visual comparisons to the MCU. Because like you said, people find it harder to attach these characters because of that. Because yeah. they're not the same ones. Um, but also it's just the the garish costumes the the fact that they keep showing us all these multiple skins that you can have the characters in but they all just look elaborate and stupid and weird and like gold plated and all you're like what is this like what what is
0: it um but yeah, we do find I did, out i'm just not sold on the aesthetic at all
1: we do find out who if not the primary antagonist definitely one of the primary antagonists of the game is it's modok but they're going the insomniac spider-man kind of route or movie adaptation route of showing the character's origin and development. So when we first see him in the trailer he's propositioning Kamala Khan to like join his laboratory and like no be be a part of this. We can unlock something together for AIM for the future. And he's just oh. a, he's just a dude and his head's a bit larger and he has some like sort of little probe things on his on his temples.
0: Mm-hmm. And like
1: who the hell's that meant to be? And then mm. at the end of the trailer, a big close-up of a large face, and you go, "Oh, it was Modok." Are they going to chicken out and not do actual Modok? Who is uh, I what, think what's his, they, what, me- mechanical organism? A mental organism mental designed organism. only for killing. Yeah, or designed only for uh, what's the C version? Whenever they put carnage. in kid stuff, carnage or. Uh, but there's all sorts ca- of different like and, versions yeah. of the
0: uh, of the acronym. Yeah. Um, but
1: for those who don't know, he's a giant floating head in a mechanical suit with little tiny arms and little tiny legs. Little
0: tiny arms and legs. And he's
1: got psychic powers and he's grotesque looking and that's kind of the charm of him. He's a proper mad science style villain for, for comic book heroes to face off against. and He's usually an Avengers level threat, but he's like an enemy to, um, to Iron Man and Ant-Man mostly and... Yeah, you know he's fun. He's a he fun, fun creepy in... threat to have. He was meant uh... to have an animated series coming out to. Uh,
0: yeah, c- coming
1: out last uh, next year alongside uh, the Howard the Duck one. Both those are the two that've been cancelled, aren't they? Oh uh, no, hang on, no, Modok's still happening currently, but Howard the Duck got cancelled. Yeah,
0: but I, I, at this point, I'd be surprised if we see any of them. Yeah, to be which sucks.
1: which sucks, but. Um, yeah. So, oh, yeah, we, oh. see, we see glimpses <laughs> of Abomination in the trailer as well, like fighting Hulk. So it's like, right, we're going to get an Abomination fight. Good. Like Hulk v. Abomination. Mm-hmm. Go on, what have, you, what have you clocked? You've
0: got a dirty little smile on your face. I oh, was just, just looking up uh, different versions of the Monarch acronym. Oh, here we go. And Do you remember um, Amalgam Comics where they merged DC and Marvel characters together? Yes, this was a thing. Well, MODOK was merged with Hector Hammond.
1: Oh, the swollen-headed guy
0: from yeah. uh, Green Lantern. Yeah. yeah. To to form Hector. Oh. <laughs> highly, highly evolved creature totally oriented for revenge. Terrible.
1: That is awful.
0: <laughs> I think you mean it's wonderful. And he appeared in Iron Lantern.
1: Oh, Jesus. Oh, Christ. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. no, no, no. No, 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 no. Avengers currently due out early september worldwide for the playstation 4 a game that they've promised for at least two years after it will receive free brand new storyline expansions and updates and at this stage i'm like guys you may as well have just waited a generation because this is gonna disappear so quickly amidst all the ps5 launch titles yeah like this is going to get lost in the mélange. Yeah, I don't think the brand although, is going to be remotely damaged by this at all because it's like the biggest movie franchise on yeah. the planet. But
0: although I think they've turned around and said that it's going to be a free upgrade to PS5. Okay, so in it's... keeping with the stuff that Microsoft have been doing with, like, hey, if you buy this game on Xbox One, you will get you will also get the Xbox Series X version.
1: Okay. Oh yeah,
0: because there are online components for it. Yeah. So. Whereas a lot of the mm. um, the Sony stuff that's been shown for PS5 has been PS5 only. Yeah. And they've said, and they've been kind of like cagey on doing stuff that isn't, um, that is cross cross generation. They clarified this part, week. First party, anyway.
1: Yeah. They clarified this week what Spider-Man Miles Morales is going to be exactly.
0: Um, it's uh, Lost Legacy.
1: Yeah, it's Uncharted Lost Legacy. It's Uncharted Lost Legacy, yeah. It's yeah. Assassin's Creed Brotherhood slash Revelations slash um, Rogue. No, it, I, it's, think, it's, I think it's going to be more
0: like Assassin's Creed Freedom's Cry than Assassin's Creed Revelations.
1: No, fair play. But do, I just meant it in the state yeah. of, like, it's a continuation of the main series, and if you want everything going forward to, like, mm-hmm. make sense, you need to play it. But also, like, Lost Legacy, it's it's, hey, we have these mechanics, we have this world, we have... You know, the game's sussed out. You want mm. more Spider-Man, but you're not going to get the next full title for a bit. So here's a, like, you know, like two-thirds l- length title using the same stuff, but with a bunch of surprises and you're playing a completely different character. And and the way they've summed it up as well is that the next story in the series or the next big central chapter, so the sequel to Marvel Spider-Man, Will yeah. feature Peter and Miles and they wanted you to get to know Miles as an individual as a superhero first. So instead of you having to kind of learn the ropes of Miles during the continuation of the previous story, okay. let's give him his spotlight now. Like let's okay. let's give Miles his spotlight now. So it's sort of cool. yeah, it's like if, if it were a comic book, the first one was Kick Ass, this is Hit Girl, and then Kick Ass Two comes out later. Um, oh, could you put it in terms of comic books that I actually like? Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I'm trying to think, but nearly all the good creators could that you, are
0: alive are problematic apart from like... Could you put I'm it in terms... Thing. Oh, and Mark Millar isn't. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Rape he's, Fantasist Mark Miller. He's
1: not problematic. He just doesn't realise we can all read the things he's writing. He's not problematic. He's just obsessed with sexual abuse against women. He's not problematic. Um, he just tried to kill Janet Van Dyne uh, <laughs> with with Hank Pym smothering her in ants. He, he's
0: not problematic. He just... Oh, I'm not even going to go into the stuff. It's, it's not It's not worth it. I read Marvel 1985 and feel
1: like there are some good Mark Millar stories out there. I promise you, it's worth it. It's worth it. Just don't read Nemesis. I did. I did. Just don't. Just I, don't, don't, do I don't hate it, but I think that's because I read it before I realised the pattern.
0: Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's just some, there's just some gross stuff in it where you're just like, fuck, oh, whatever. Whatever, no, Mark. No, no,
1: no. Chill out. Yeah, <laughs> for, um, for those who don't know, Nemesis is a book which is basically, what if Batman but a bad guy? And if yeah. that sounds like a cool idea, imagine it in your head instead yeah. of seeking out Nemesis because it's uh, unnecessarily
0: grotesque, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Like, like so much of Mark Miller's uh, latter-day output. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, but God. hey, but hey, Chris, Hulk it's okay. Right. You know it's why right. it's okay? <laughs> <laughs> Why is it okay? It's okay because Batman might be coming back. And I don't mean... (laughs) I don't mean the 2021 film starring Robert Pattinson. I don't mean... I don't mean that. I mean...
1: Batman.
0: On this... The what the...
1: Sorry, I (sighs) just... I know what you're talking about, and it's it's sending nice, lovely vibrations through my body that's happened to sound like Danny Elfman's theme from the 1989 movie.
0: So that Flash movie's apparently still happening. Yeah. Yeah, it's on um, its 75th iteration. And as rumours of it continue, The Flash movie's swirl. been in
1: development, hell, longer than the Confederacy was a thing.
0: Yeah, ain't that... Ain't that <laughs> No one's tearing down Ezra Miller statues. Oh, they should. They should. Will
1: he still be Um, in it? Probably. But yeah. Um, So. Flashpoint seems to still be the rumoured plot of the Flash individual movie. It's the first ever solo cinematic outing for the golden age superhero, the Flash. And our first story is going to be a continuity rewriting, multiverse Mm. hopping story that makes all the other DC stuff have to listen to it. Uh, It'd be like if Iron Man kicked off the MCU with a story where Tony died and then they, Pepper used the technology to pull his teenage self out of an alternate timeline. Um, Imagine Infinity
0: War was the first MCU film. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. Perfect. Perfect. No, even worse, imagine Endgame was the first EC MCU. Oh,
1: yes, because of dimension hopping, exactly.
0: Um Yeah, that's what Flashpoint
1: is, essentially, guys. So uh. the
0: ru- the rumour is that Michael Keaton is in talks to return as Batman to <laughs> alternate da, da, da. universes. Yeah. Um so yeah, that's that's it. That's the news. Yay. Uh, the
1: reason it seems more than a rumour is the first place to report it was uh, the Hollywood Reporter.
0: Who tend to be very who, good with their source And are
1: owned by Warner's... Uh, Warner's... Time Warner, whatever. So... But whatever that
0: conglomerate's called now.
1: Yeah, so the fact no one from Warner's would go, hey, 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 maybe don't... Maybe don't put that out there. Suggest they're like, do you know what? Let's get the audience reaction. That way next week when we meet with Michael, we can be like, oh, have you seen... The internet, the internet love yeah. this idea. Yeah. The internet love this idea, Michael. Because um, Michael Keaton Honestly, has, has been very vocally in the past open about the idea that the thought of doing another one uh, made him feel really awful and shitty. Um, <sighs> and and, and uh, because he had mixed feelings, because part of him wanted to carry on doing it beyond Batman Returns. But yeah. another part of him knew after meeting with Joel Schumacher that he was just like... This isn't. These aren't the sort of stories I it's, thought I was going to tell. The story I want to do. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'm. I'm getting out of it. And then for years he was annoyed about the typecasting, despite the fact he had a very varied career already, and it was just two movies. But he was annoyed about the typecasting. And then yeah. in recent years has kind of embraced it again and been like, yeah, sod it. I'm Batman. Like I. I was Batman. Well, yeah, I'm there always is... Batman."
0: There is the anecdote going around that he that he kept while well, they were filming fight scenes for Spider-Man Homecoming he just kept whispering <laughs> "I'm Batman" to Tom Holland to Tom Holland to freak him out <laughs> which you know I don't know if I believe that but it's a nice anecdote. Um, and of course he did Birdman which um, kind of parallels sort of, his yeah, own it's life a fictionalized version of that yeah. of that sort of of, of uh, post uh, action hero career for an actor. So
1: he's, he's taken um. the piss out of it and also seems to have U-turned and been like, ah, oh, but I'm... Yeah, no, I'm happy I did it. I really am because mm. I've seen how many people love it and I'm Batman, damn it. And you're like, mm. yeah, Keaton, yeah, you are. Um, so him returning is a big get. I mean, there, there were rumours of him showing up in um, Crisis on Infinite Earths, the recent CW yes. event. Yeah. Uh, but instead we got... Um, Nak's uh, making a cameo in what is clearly meant to be the the eighty nine multiverse. Um, reading that's a newspaper implying that Batman and the Joker are fighting against was like, wait, what? What? But Nicholson's, de- but he's dead.
0: But I thought you said he was dead.
1: He said he was dead. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Oh, it's no. like, it's like, oh, okay. So you know they've already teased the idea of hey, the eighty nine universe is its own. Story, It's like, oh, and there was meant to, of course, have been a comic book series for years ago, which got yeah. announced then shit can by DC within like four months called Batman 89.
0: Oh, Batman, 90, it ever got,
1: uh, Batman 92, because it was continuing from it, Batman Returns.
0: I don't think it ever got um, properly announced. I think was they pitched out there. it. Artwork was put I, I think what happened was they pitched it, it got mm. knocked back, and then the people who pitched it put the artwork out. Oh, sort of, okay. Let's... Let's let like people think, know this ain't a I don't think anymore. it Yeah, I don't think it ever got picked up by DC. Which sucks. I think it was just pitched.
1: It would have been awesome. Uh because that artwork it was black and white artwork with like the Catwoman neon sort of graffiti in it. And yeah. you had Catwoman was in it and uh, and uh specifically Billy D.
0: Williams two face. Billy D. Williams 2
1: Face. Um, and it was like, oh my mm-hmm. god. Uh, yeah, because there's uh, I think there was a version of Bane in the image or one of the teaser images put out was like their take on Bane. Possibly, and I think uh, they might have had the
0: Damon Wayans Robin. Yes, yes, there as well. yes, they so did. It was originally supposed to be in. 89. Who was originally supposed to be in? Uh, in yeah. in yeah, Batman in Batman Returns
1: it was because there's there's a scene yeah. for eighty nine where he makes a cameo, but he was going to be in Batman Returns proper. Initially, because the eighty nine no, movie... he, he wasn't
0: signed on until Batman Returns was in pre production. Because he got he got a pay. Oh, that's it. yeah no they um they he got paid they, for Batman Returns even though he didn't end up being in it they didn't end it, up yeah. shooting any of that
1: they'd, stuff they would written a scene for Robin in Batman Batman eighty nine which was just a cameo because the the storyboards for it were put into a, like a mini animatic sequence on the blue oh, okay. with uh, with uh, Hamill playing the Joker and Conroy playing Batman which makes yeah. no sense because it's like well, hang on they don't sound anything like the versions from this but. but still. It, yeah, but and the ah, that'll be why I'm confused because the Robin in that is designed to look like the Wayne's version because obviously by at yeah. this point they were like well obviously that was going to happen in, in yeah so okay so yeah I knew they were going to go with that um it would have been interesting to see and and obviously there's a lot of affection for that especially the 89 film I don't I don't think there's much for returns in the mainstream but like definitely for the yeah, 89 Yeah because film. people
0: have
1: no fucking taste it's a bad movie that you no, think is good it because, is it's, not. It's, because a great it's got movie. great performances in it it's a
0: great movie it's the best batman movie lockdown's really got to you it's, Matt. it's really the got to you. best christmas movie you're
1: getting stockholm syndrome <laughs> no the best batman movie was yet to be made my friend and we're going to talk about it in a little mm-hmm. bit but uh <laughs> But yeah, so this is a bit. This is a big get yeah, if they do it because it does mean the multiverse is happening. Uh, the the report also suggested that Keaton would be playing a quote Nick Fury esque role in the DC Cinematic Universe going forwards, um, and also talks of him appearing in one other movie, rumored to be the Batgirl film that's being put together. So with obviously yeah. him being him being a much older Batman than he was in. Uh, in, in the 89 and 92 films. And of course, probably aside from obviously like voice work from some actors like Adam West, he would be the oldest person to play Batman on screen. Um, the rumour is also that the Batgirl movie would essentially be the DC movie universe's version of Batman Beyond. With uh, Batgirl being mm. the younger hero. It wouldn't be set in the far distant future, but Batgirl being the younger hero being mentored by the now retired but grizzled Bruce Wayne. Um, which I don't hate. I mean it's it's a bit of a loss in that Terry McGuinness is an Asian American character and like, you know, it would be cool to have a star making role for a Terry McGuinness. But at the same time there's nothing to say that, you know, their Batgirl has to be, you know, white. I mean if she is and it's the right person, awesome. But like it seems a shame to lose one of the unique aspects of that organically is there in Batman
0: Beyond. I'll try and Um, push towards Cassie Kane perhaps. Yeah. It? Oh no, cuz she's already in Birds of Prey. Well. Oh, you could based on that, suppose, based on it?
1: how the universe is rewritten post Flashpoint, the actress yeah. who played Cassandra Kane in Birds of Prey 2-3 years down the line could absolutely be Batgirl in a Batgirl solo film. Um it's going to be interesting to see how they go. Uh, the DCEU as everyone calls it, but no one at the studio does and they apparently get really annoyed about it. Um it's is not going to be a reflection of the source material strictly anymore. Like, it can't be if they're going down this route. It's always going to be uh, hybrids and, and, and um, you know, uh, compilations of familiar elements from the books... Yeah. Uh, so essentially, we're going back into like '90s and early 2000s comic book movie territory for the DC a lot. Like, well, it's not like the comic, but we sort of got this <laughs> for the comic a bit, and it's like okay, uh, which mm-hmm. is which is why I think um, Matt Reeves' The Batman exists because they still want to do something that is like well, this is recognisably Batman as we've always known it, and here it
0: is. Did you see the logo yeah. for that this week put out? Yeah, it's really it's bland. A, it's a, it's a, it's a. Minimalist poster. What do you want me to say about it? It's kind of dull. The Bat Symbol. Okay. It's kind of dull. Cool. Um,
1: All right. Yeah. I want to see Keaton again in the role if he's up for it. How
0: about you? Yeah. I I mean, I just like seeing Michael Keaton in things. Doesn't matter if he's Batman or not to me. Can he at least say... um,
1: At one point, can there be a scene where him and Barry... Barry's explaining to him that he's from a different universe and all this, that and the other... And they go for a walk, like, say, along. Uh... Say so he takes him to the uh. Monarch Theatre because he's sort of like, this is, this is where I was born, this is where the Batman was born. And he talks to him about this and the other. And just before they sit down to watch uh. a film, <laughs> I can tell from the way Matt's furrowing his brow, he knows exactly uh. where this is going. Just before he sits down to watch a film, he says, I'm hungry. You want to get nuts? Come on. Let's get nuts.
0: And then Barry oh. Allen shoots Bruce Wayne's parents. Um, so I have to do this to make sure everything turns out right. Oh, God, my! can you imagine the way Warner Brothers are obsessed with the murder of the Waynes? Oh, God. Like, yeah, it oh, would not do... surprise me. Well,
1: because my first thought was, wait, are they not just going to cast him as Thomas Wayne? And then I was like, no, hang on, because you could cast Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Thomas Wayne because he played him in the Batman v
0: Superman flashback. Well, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, and Jeffrey D. Morgan would make a brilliant the- Thomas Wayne. Apparently, he was under the impression that he was going to get to do that. Oh Christ! Oh my God! And I think the multiverse—the multiverse
1: multiverse stuff doesn't work. I feel in films, as well as it does in Uh, television, when the different actors are playing the same character. Like I accept in Crisis on Infinite Earths, I accept Brandon Ralph being being Superman as well as Tyler Heckland, then being the same person, everyone be like, Oh my god, it's you, Clark, even though they don't I will look the same. Always
0: accept Brandon Ruth being Superman.
1: Just not in a film co starring alongside or being directed by a sexual predator.
0: <laughs> well yeah, there is that.
1: Turns out he was the real hero of that film. Um yeah. he genuinely <laughs> was in real life. Uh, but it's, it's, do you know what I mean? It's like, I can, I can see a scene where Tyler Hecklin and Brandon Routh are both playing Superman in the same scene in a CW show. And someone's like, oh my God, Clark, it's you. I buy it. I'm like, sure, whatever. But in a film, yeah. if Barry Allen is coming out of a thing, taking one look at Michael Keaton and being like, it's Bruce Wayne. I'm like, no, piss off him and Ben Affleck. I don't know. What, I don't know what it is. I think the TV, because of its cheaper nature, it kind of feels like you give it that leeway yeah. automatically. You go, sure. Why not? Whereas, you know, it'd be like if, it'd have been like if in Endgame they go back to 2012 and different actors are playing the younger versions of them all in the, the New York scenes. Yeah, be like, this is yeah. weird. We know they didn't look like that. That's that's odd. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't yeah. Know.
0: Uh, is Andy
1: Michete's directing and I trust him, so let's see. If he ends up actually directing it, yeah. then I'm I'm open i I'm open to anything at this point. I enjoyed Birds of Prey, like I'm now waiting with eager anticipation finally yeah. getting to see Wonder Woman eighty four at some point. Uh, so Birds of Prey was boss, yo. We watched it again the other day. It, well, it, Lucy's first boss. for Lucy's first watch. And she was like, "We got to the end of it. i like, what do you think? She went, that was fucking brilliant. I was like, it was, right? Yeah. It really is. It's it's really good. Like, it's only weaknesses. It's... It assumes you know everything about this character. But guess what? We do, so we don't have to fucking worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's enjoy it. Um, yeah, she really dug it. Especially like the ending, oh God, the ending action sequence in the, um, I can't remember what they call mm. it now, but oh, the booby trap. With the funhouse, in, in the fun house, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so good It's very good So good And then without going into details for those who haven't seen it The moment at the edge of a pier With a certain character and a ring um, Is just Glorious It's oh, yeah.
0: so good it's, it's rather
1: Female director, female writer satisfying, Mostly female choreographers Produced by Margot Robbie Oh look Girls can do this too how about we keep letting that happen, Hollywood? <laughs> you fucking idiots. Mm.
0: Uh. Right, let's get into some serious stuff. <laughs> As this last... <laughs> very good, very good. I'm just um, showing Matt the
1: fact Wonder Woman's my current wallpaper, which is how excited I am for a film that we're not seeing for a
0: for uh, an indeterminate amount about. of time. Yeah. Um and if things keep going the way they were, probably not even then because you can fuck right off if you think I'm going to the cinema. Um until I'm absolutely sure it's safe. Uh so I'm not going into like a wearer's orb. Been a rough couple of weeks. Um and so on the eleventh of June. Uh, we lost the the sadly passed away uh, legendary comic book writer Dennis Denny O'Neill, who is uh, widely credited with revitalising Batman as a property in the in the early seventies, um, and so that's how we get on from that to this. Yeah, segues. And just generally doing lots of really great stuff, particularly at DC. Um, I mean, the guy redefined Batman yeah. and then,
1: and then uh, <clears throat> like went back and forth between Marvel and DC a bit.
0: Mm. Well, he, he, he started he, off um, <clears throat> at Marvel. Yeah. Um, Roy Thomas brought him in, did some uh, bits and pieces, bits and pieces, uh Picked up Doctor Strange for six issues when it was still in Strange Tales. Did some stuff on Rawhide Kid and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they did. He did work together with Neil Adams in a sort of attempt to uh, rescue the ailing X Men title, um, which unfortunately was was a little too late to save that title from becoming a, a reprint book for the next five years. Um, and then he went off to uh, DC in '68 uh he did some work on the creeper he did some work on wonder woman and justice league kind of a bad period for justice league uh, for, mm. not for justice league for wonder woman because it was the period where they took away her powers and took away her costume and now she's a normal woman who fights crime and i, I think they don't think he, uh or anyone working on the on the book at that at that time sort of realized that how that looks... Uh, yeah. Yeah. um. But then, he, as he kept on working, he did push on more sort of uh, left-leaning and socially and politically-themed stories, mm. uh, which would eventually lead to Greenland and Green Arrow.
1: Yes, I was going to say that's probably um, the most
0: notable examples. Which is uh, most fondly remembered for its storyline in which uh, Green Arrow's ward slash sidekick speeder was a heroin addict and sort of dealing with that stuff in the... Uh, and this is, what, 70... Uh, let's see. 71. So quite early for comics to start tackling this stuff. Like, it was not uh, widely known. Mm. And also um, around
1: the time where the Comics Code was still there and, and yeah, on everyone's yeah. next. I mean, this was around the same period that Stanley and Spider Man was publishing a story about addiction. Uh, well, yeah. at first, it was just an encounter with a character who was high um, and was about to jump off of a building thinking they could fly. Yeah. Spider Man catches him. And the comics code said, You can't do that. So, Stanley, who was editor at the time, turned around, found out about that, and said, Right, well, we're going to print it anyway. Just take the comics code seal the approval of approval off the front cover, sod it. Um, yeah. And Denny O'Neill was <clears throat> pioneering in a similar sense because he. Especially with this book, Green Green Arrow, Green Lantern, he was not just going, Huh, hey, these two have green in their name, let's put them in a book." But he used yeah. it to tell like these
0: sort of social stories, these political stories. Well, he was he kind of sort of redefined Green Arrow as a like socially conscious hero, hmm. like more um,
1: more more akin to Robin Hood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just Which,
0: not just visually. Um, yeah. Um. So he's kind of responsible for that. Uh push and and making the that you know the 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 recognizable successful version of the character we all know and and, and love today um and then of course you moved on to batman uh working on batman books and was kind of responsible for redefining again uh batman for a yeah. post adam west tv show era in which the in which the property had been you know become known for its campiness and it's yeah. and its. And, and and then brought Batman back to a, a much darker um, uh, sort of vengeance fueled place. Yeah, well, it's because um, uh, the comics have been affected.
1: Uh, sort of, it was, it was a twofer for Batman. In The fifties, the Comics Code coming around made the what the comic book publishers could and couldn't do very yeah. very strict. And as a result, that's where you get a lot of your like the Batman from Planet Z and.
0: Um, yeah, Superman's, been, an Superman's
1: been turned into a teddy bear and all this like kind of weird stuff. Weird
0: silver age bullshit, yeah. Yeah,
1: which you know has its charm and has its place, but it was essentially a reaction because they weren't allowed to do gritty murder, yeah. characters weren't allowed to be yeah. killed in panel, um certain books weren't allowed well, to have guns and
0: one the of the characters that really suffered changed. from that for, was the Joker. Yeah. Which Denny O'Neill would then sort of return to his Homicidal yeah. roots with yeah. the Joker's, uh, Joker's five-way five five revenge. Way revenge yeah. in seventy-three. Um,
1: God, that's such a good it, one. I finally read that about two years ago. And I was like, oh, I can see why this one's like a like a pin in the in the in the notice yeah. board of this. Like, yeah, this is where you yeah. gets redirected because you had the sillier um, Silver Age comics and then the TV series, which again is wonderful and fucking brilliant, but it meant the comics stayed quite light and, yeah. and silly as a result. And then, Danny O'Neill, and Neil Adams, Danny O'Neill comes in. Bring and, back and the detective style yeah. and the and the you know, fatality and uh, and moral qu- moral quandaries and you know the difficult decisions. Like you said, vengeance is a big thing. Yeah. Um. Uh. Something I found out after his passing, which I didn't know, was he then after that run, like the first one of the first things he did was go back to Marvel
0: as an editor. Uh. Uh, this was in nineteen eighty he went back to Marvel. Yeah. And took over some stuff uh on Spider-Man and uh but and sp- things like that.
1: Specifically Daredevil he got oh, on yeah. board with because yeah.
0: he he gave um
1: a then just Inca, Frank Miller, um his his first like he did a cover mm. he did a cover. Uh, shift on an issue of daredevil basically not not front cover but a cover shift which then led to obviously he said he essentially gave frank miller that little testing run and
0: yeah. then
1: a little bit led down the line denny o'neill as editor assigned frank miller to be the not just the writer but the artist for daredevil well he, he, for covered, a
0: he covered the he covered the run yeah um he, he, he was he was he bridged the gap between frank miller's two stints on it so,
1: oh, there you go. So even he, uh, even
0: he leapt into that one.
1: But it was just yeah. the thought that this is the guy that redefined Batman in the 70s. And he sort of gave the leg up that led to the sort of prospering career of the guy yeah. who then redefined Batman for the 80s. Yeah. And and it's it's those two eras that are still felt the most I today. Think, I think so, yeah. Um, like, you, you know, the Daniel O'Neill Neil Adams run, you know, like uh, Head yeah. of the
0: Demon and these kind of storylines. Well, again, creating... Rachel Ghul and Talia Al Ghul, in yeah. that sort of corner of the of the universe.
1: And then you skip ahead, and um, Danny O'Neill is uh, again. I think this is at DC. He was editor for the original publication of Batman Year One. So another thing where he gave uh, yeah, another thing where so. he gave he gave Frank another nudge. He was either editor or he was uh, he was the one who got it to uh, got its publication. But he was yeah. involved. He was involved in. It yeah. He was like, I've worked with this guy over here. The Daredevil book sold gangbusters as soon as he took over and started telling stories. Let him tell this Batman story,
0: and it's like, um, oh my six, god, he took over um, as group editor for Batman. So I think that was slightly after year one.
1: Ah, so he could have maybe he swayed From it. I remember, I remember, I remember reading that he was involved in its, in its yeah. It wouldn't surprise
0: me. I could be wrong about the timeline there. No, no, um, no.
1: So it's, it's probably it's probably <laughs> non in a non official capacity then. Amora. Yeah, read, yeah, like yeah. read this guy's take, like hear this guy out. But it's it's just amazing to think that he was one of the found. He's one of the people who's the foundation of what we know Batman to be now. Yeah, and he gave the leg up to people who also like you know built it up to the, the like we we don't get we don't get the Nolan films without Year One. No, no, and we don't get Year One without Denny O'Neill giving Frank Miller that leg up. Yeah. And we definitely, we definitely don't get Batman eighty nine, in particular, without definitely not definitely without the stuff that Frank produced in the eighties, but more importantly, without that change of direction that Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams brought to the book in the seventies. Yeah, dude, dude was pretty fucking prolific as far as comic books go. Very prolific,
0: and it sucks Um, to think
1: that he's not here anymore. Um, Also credited with naming Optimus Prime. Bloody, well there you go
0: because he was an editor he's, at marvel at the time when bob Budiansky was was coming up with all the names and characters of the original uh toys so <laughs> so he's optimus's daddy that's it well in a way yeah, yeah. optimus senior in a way
1: yeah <laughs> in a way uh, uh, yeah, i want to i want to like, find that green lantern green arrow run as much as i can because the one the one that i've the one that i've yeah. heard so much about and i've never read but a lot of panels of it did the rounds a week a week or so ago when he passed?
0: I used to have it. I used to have those two issues.
1: Oh, do well, what the was it called? Is it called like is it called like heroes? Uh, heroes down what? or something like that. And what the run
0: or that particular that, that particular story, story where, the, uh, the
1: the story the story where basically it's the panels that are doing the rounds is, is an elderly African American guy approaches Green Arrow. Yeah, and basically, and Green Lantern basically just says like, "Where have you been?" Says like, "You you protect." You protect the people with, you know, purple skin, you protect the people with blue skin, and you're out there in the cosmos doing that. What about what about mm. someone with black skin? What about people here on Earth right now? And essentially for like a couple issues, they both like take off their costumes and run naked. They take off their costumes and <laughs> just travel America and meet people and learn more about their lives and, you know, do a little yeah. bit of covert superheroing along the way. But it's it's a story where Denny O'Neill was like, Right, so I've got this Robin Hood style swashbuckling hero, and I've got this cosmic fighter who can conjure weapons out of thin air with his imagination, and I'm gonna mm-hmm. do a story where an average ordinary man comes up to him and says, Excuse me, I know there's space aliens and shit out there and yeah. you're really good at that. But uh down here there's racism, there's homophobia, there's xenophobia. Are you gonna you gonna help us out or what? You yeah, can absolutely help really- us.
0: Out. Yeah, that was a really important stance to take during the 70s. And uh, it always makes me laugh when people complain about making... Oh, there's too, too much politics in comics. Too much politics in my entertainment. It's like, you've been paying attention. Like, it's <laughs> oh, of course, they're not. of course they are not. Of course they've been they're paying attention. stupid.
1: <laughs> of course they yeah. haven't. They they just see Thor's muscles and they go, God, he's got such good gains, bro. And yeah. it's like, maybe read the it's fucking like, stories sometime and... But hey, you know, the stories about mortality and, and what is right and how sins of the past like never go away and we should learn from them and all that. like there's all this stuff in them even the mytho- mythological shit. Superman, this guy's near invincible, comes from the stars, and he can leap tall buildings in a single bound. It's a story about how you should always, regardless of your power, be nice mm-hmm. to people and do the right thing. Always, <laughs> like they don't they don't um, get it, and it's so annoying. Oh, oh, Batman always. is so sick. Yeah. Do you know why? Because he doesn't ever want a child to have to go without their parents. That's why he's yeah, cool. Because he wants to protect innocence.
0: Ah. Mm. He does beat people up, though. All he, the time. he does,
1: but most um, of the time those people are trying to kill him with uh, giant typewriters
0: or big pennies. <laughs> it's a it, it, it's a complicated character. <laughs> Um so we pay tribute to Denny O'Neill. I had to you, sir. And we also pay tribute to uh the late Ian Holm.
1: Sir Act Ian of, great of Holm, renown.
0: Yeah. Oh um, god. Who uh passed away on the nineteenth of June. And hey, do we need to tell you who Ian Holm uh was? The man was a legendary actor.
1: I think for a, for a certain... British stage
0: and screen.
1: Yeah. For certain um, listeners of ours, um, he's... You're going to think of God knows what. Like you're going to go far back. I mean, for me, the thing I think of weirdly when I first hear Ian Holm's name, the first thing that comes to mind for me is Time Bandits, where he briefly plays Napoleon. Yeah, yeah I can see that. Like it's just, that. Mostly just because I remember that scene very clearly and being like, it's yeah. fucking great. Um, and also Time Bandits is great. Talk about this um, is a great movie. It's so camp and 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 enjoying itself for that fact. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Robin Hood, the whole Robin Hood sequence in that is pretty great as well. Just
0: fabulous, um, isn't it?
1: but like um, it, for viewers of a certain age, they'll absolutely know him specifically for Alien as Ash. I I think
0: Alien when I think yeah. in home. That's uh, that's.
1: Based on our analytics, I think a lot of our listeners will mostly be thinking of Bilbo Baggins in mm-hmm. the Lord of the Rings the trilogy, the Rings.
0: and very briefly at the top end of uh, of The Hobbit. Yeah, um, um, but you know he's he's prolific to say the least, all over uh, stage and screen, British stage and screen since the fifties.
1: Mm. Oh, he never stopped. Um, he, di- he died. He mm. died of we, be- we believe it's uh, complications from
0: Parkinson's. Yeah, uh, age. He hadn't really acted for a while. Yeah, um, I think The
1: Hobbit was his last film role. The first Hobbit film. Uh, I
0: think so. Yeah, the well, he had there was I don't know when they filmed it, but he was also in the last one because yeah. they had that bookending footage with him and. Um, they probably shot him at the same time. And <laughs> uh, Elijah Wood. Yeah, yeah. probably. Um, uh, so that's the last. That's his last credited on-screen role. And That would have been in his early eighties um, because he passed yeah. away at eighty-eight. Eighty-eight. Yeah. So this, this was what eight years ago. Yeah. So yeah, it would have been eighty or so. Um, it reprised his his role as Ash for the Alien Isolation stuff. But I don't know how much of that he did was new. Uh it was it was all voice. That um, as far as I
1: know, they were all performance capture. But the the original actors. Did the oh yeah, it was captured, just, just it was did the voice, but the dialogue.
0: Um, yeah, I don't know how much of that was new dialogue. Uh, but yeah, since since a lot of the Rings it's sort of wrapped it had a definite sort of winding down after like 2006 we never stopped has he? i mean I, th- um, I think
1: the first film i became acquainted with him in was um fifth element
0: yeah of course in the fifth element it's great in He's the fifth element hilarious
1: in the fifth element. great
0: movie looking um, like some
1: kind of meddling monk meets the master hybrid cosplay for the majority of the film yeah um or the
0: other um, maybe right, an actor of such, highlights. An
1: actor of such renown, and he's basically playing comedic relief in that film. Like he has to deliver yeah. the weight of it all, but at the same time, yeah. is really funny.
0: But he was um, that kind of actor; he could absolutely do that. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, other uh, memorable projects that people will remember him for include like Charities and *Chariots of Fire*. Yes, of course. Um, it was also in Brazil. Mm-hmm, so yeah. Another cult classic. Um, was in the 1989 film version of Henry V and the 1990 film version of Hamlet. Um, uh, yeah, so you know, I've very again, he's one of the Shakespearean actors. So he's, mm. he's got, definitely got a history with that. Like going back to his early like TV appearances in this in the late 50s, early 60s, it's televised uh, Shakespeare. Essentially, a lot of it. Um, so of the, of the of the generation with like you, Judi Dench's and your Ian e. McKellen's, it's that kind of mm-hmm. um, of of in that wheelhouse, of Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah He
1: was one of that ilk.
0: <laughs> yeah, he probably um, played. An I elf. don't think, although I don't think he'd worked with Ian McKellen until Lord of the Rings. Mm. I think that was like one of their, Oh, we want to. We'd love to work together, and they actually finally got to work together on Lord of the Rings. Finally, I can't got to, finally
1: got to work together when we were old as balls.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Existence, David Cronenberg, weird. Yeah, Fucking video game movie with with uh, Jude Law and, and Jennifer Jason Lee and also Christopher Eccleston. Um I forgot about that one. In a, in a small role. Um, yeah, the, the the 99 TV version of Animal Farm. Like, it, 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 it's Ian Holm. It's Ian Holm. <laughs> like, what do you want me to say? Uh, hell of a career. Incredible actor. And, yeah, sad to... Sad to see him uh, pass away at the at the, at the age of eighty eight. I mean, hell of an innings though. Did mm. some amazing work um, while he was around. Um, and then on the twenty second of June, another loss for the for the film world. Um, Joel Schumacher, um, director, and just. Character,
1: all all round gossip wonderful and character. Uh, sexual um, dynamo. I learned this apparently week. Apparently so. Um, yeah, yeah. He, he passed
0: away uh, of cancer uh, at the age of eighty. Yeah. Uh, so again, another long life. Good innings. <laughs> yeah. And again, uh, in recent years, a much less uh, prominent career, but certainly a lot more TV in recent years. Yeah, well, he was writing a couple of episodes of the first series of House of Cards, I think was his last directing gig. Ah, so yeah, he'd been but, winding down for a little bit then. But before that, there had also been a, a definite move away from studio-backed pictures um, into more, like, essentially straight-to-DVD straight to, uh, or straight-to-VOD stuff. Mm. Um, I think his last feature was the uh, Notorious... Uh, Traspass with uh, Nicolas Cage and Nicole Kidman, which I didn't even make it all the way through. But here's here's the odd
1: thing about Joel Schumacher we're going to talk about. The regular listeners to the show will have heard us shit
0: on some of his films before. We we dunk on some of Joel Schumacher's work a lot, but when you actually look at his filmography. Yeah. Oh, he's got a bigger hit rate than miss rate. Pretty fucking good. And he's consistent. Um,
1: Like the amount of films that guy directed is nuts. But most notably for our listeners, the ones that will probably crop up for you
0: guys are The Lost Boys. Yeah, which um, is one of my favourite films of all time. Uh,
1: Batman Forever. It's Fore-
0: fabulous. It is great. Batman, Batman Forever. Batman Forever, which, as Jonathan Ross once said, is the greatest movie ever made.
1: In a competition to get on more review covers than his brother. Um, Phone Booth is, uh, is another big one that I, I've realised is sort of... It's kind of like past our generation, if that makes any sense. I think it's people just slightly younger than us remember that one a bit more, because...
0: 2002.
1: Yeah, it was. it was It was kind of like... It was like the start of the DVD era proper, but by this point, you and I were probably most collecting DVDs of things we loved from when we were younger, so we yeah. weren't absorbing as much of the, like, oh, have you heard about this one? It's completely set in a phone booth. Um, oh, yeah. It's, it's oh. a good film, though. It's sort of the film that kind of made Colin Farrell, really, as well. Um, yeah. It's household name. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, Musical buffs either love or hate, but
0: always, with whichever one, enjoy in some way the 2004 adaptation of Phantom of the Opera. I mean, yeah, the 2004 Phantom, choices were made. I don't think they were the right choices, but <laughs> choices were definitely made. And he was the only person in consideration for that by Andrew yeah. Lloyd Webber. Yeah. Uh, well. Because of um, <laughs> the way that he used music in one of his earlier films, The Lost Boys. In Lost Boys? Ah, there
1: you go. Because but, of the
0: way the music was weaved into Lost Boys, Andrew Lloyd Webber somehow, he looked at that and went, he's the man to bring Phantom of the Opera to the screen. He's the fella. Um, Lost Boys, again, like we were talking about Denny O'Neill's legacy, but like
1: Lost Boys is another perfect example. The vampire genre was redefined. Not necessarily, yeah, real not necessarily in overnight, arm. but like... Every new bit of vampire fiction over the following decade, it was like, this is taking inspiration from Lost Boys.
0: Lost I don't Boys think we'd is have behind got, this. I don't think we'd have got Buffy without Lost Boys. Oh no,
1: absolutely not. In particular, uh, the influence is so, so prominent in series two of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, mm-hmm. particularly with the introduction of Spike and Drusilla. It's like, yeah. they they feel cut from the same cloth as as the characters from uh, from Lost Boys. Yeah. I mean, it's still being homage today. I mean, as recently as Us, like, uh, the opening scene on a pier set in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. The, the film being shot down the court, like, round the corner that's referred to is the filming of Lost Boys. It's, you know, it's yeah. it's, it, it's, it, it's it's one of those things that current horror directors are like, oh, I've got to throw in a shout out to the Lost Boys. I've got to show mm-hmm. out, throw in a shout out to that film. Um and again, yeah, just the style, the look of it, the way it kind of redefined vampires a bit, made them a bit more grungy, brought them into the then present day. Uh, it, you know me,
0: I love a grungy vamp.
1: Oh yeah, um, I my favorite Joel Schumacher film is uh, one that sort of grows more and more upsetting as time goes by, um, when you realise that its lead character is kind of a, a, a common sort of person to meet nowadays.
0: Yeah, um, I but, know exactly but where you go. It's,
1: it's still a fucking brilliantly made movie called Falling Down, yep. starring Michael Douglas. So we've we spoke about this on the show before a bit, but like, story starts out with a guy who's just pissed off on his way to work. He's having a horrible day. His car breaks down on the on the motorway on like the hottest day in record. He's and he just starts taking his frustration out on the people he meets on the way to work. And yep. you're like, oh, this is really cathartic. It's like, oh, I wish I could speak my mind like that. And then 10, 15 minutes in, he uses his first racial slur. And you're like, wait, what?
0: Oh, uh, yeah. What? And it just and sort it, of spirals from yeah, there. Yeah,
1: it's horror. And then you realise yeah. about by the like the 25-minute mark when you meet the... I can't remember who the actor is now. where you meet the cop uh, uh, who Robert... starts to tie into the story.
0: Uh, what's his name? <laughs> What's his name? jig You know, Ujima Flip. Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall. You meet Robert Duvall's cop, and
1: you realize that oh, they're going yeah. to end up crossing paths. Oh wait, not just that. He's already been assigned to keep an eye on this guy. Oh yeah. my god, he's not just a dude frustrated on the way to work. This is somebody who's on like a, a list of people to keep an eye on because he has like been stalking and and like threatening his ex-wife. Uh, oh my god and it's it's a gut yep. punch of a film it's really uncomfortable like it's, yeah. and it, it starts out as like a full on like power fantasy of god I wish I could just be really rude to everybody and say fuck you and leave me alone and why are you parking like that stop honking your fucking horn oh it'd be so yeah. wonderful to do that and wait a minute did he just call that shopkeeper something really horrible yeah. oh he's still going oh he's hitting that person with a bat oh he's not stopping okay Huh? And it's just that that escalation is so sharp that it takes such a quick turn from like oh yeah. this is kind of this dark comedy is hilarious to oh it's a thriller.
0: Yeah. Oh, it, yeah, that, it's yeah it's it's a real it's a real good movie I think. That's the film that kind of made me realise holy
1: shit Joel Schumacher is a great director because me, no go on.
0: I think for me it was a Time to Kill. You know I've not seen it but yes it's I, good I heard, man yeah. He did a couple of John Grisham adaptations. He did The uh, the Client. Basically, he sandwiched him. Well, uh, he, he sandwiched Batman Forever in between two John Grisham yeah, adaptations. W- which one's Tommy Lee did... Jones in? Is he in both? Uh, that's The Client. The Client, yeah. Which is 94. Then he did Batman Forever. And then he did A Time to Kill in 96, which is Matthew McConaughey, Sandra Bullock, Samuel L. Jackson, mm. Kevin Spicer, Oliver Platt, you know, Do- Donald and Kiefer Sutherland. The two Sutherlands! Um, <laughs> um, he did work uh, also a late role for Patrick McGoohan.
1: Oh, there you go. So like he's uh, somebody like want like wanted to tell stories and had you know a great enthusiasm for it. But the, the film that I grew up knowing him the most for is probably his most notorious movie. Yeah. Which splits people right down the middle, um, but that middle is incredibly one-sided to the negative. <laughs> Yeah, but there seems to be there seems to be some revisionism of it going on recently, and I experienced that myself about four years ago. Definitely, uh, it's Batman and Robin, um, yeah. the movie, I mean, I... the movie that single handedly killed comic book movies. Yeah, for about a year. That's the thing everyone forgets. It didn't kill the comic book yeah. movie because Blade came out just over a year later, and yeah. then X Men the year after, a year and a bit after so. that. And it, it was kept just going. But it, it was definitely like the Batman 89 is the biggest thing on the planet. Yeah. Batman Returns has divided people, but it's kept the interest going. Batman Forever is playing it way too safe, but it was an absolute like financial hit. They had massive stars of the day in, in title roles, like especially Carey. Yeah. So the momentum's there. And then Batman and Robin comes out and everyone goes, the fuck is this? And it is, as far as, like, uh, creating a story with that property, those characters, that world, and it being the fourth chapter in this series.
0: Yeah. It's
1: a fucking train wreck.
0: But it's a a fun train wreck. Yeah. It's hilarious. I think I've said this before, but if you give me the choice (laughs) between watching Dark Knight Rises or Batman Begins or Batman and Robin i'm gonna watch batman and robin yeah because it's fun yeah yeah <laughs> you know what i might even watch batman and robin over the dark knight because as good as the dark knight is and it is a seminal piece of work you, you batman got and Robin's more fun you gotta be in the <laughs> mood you just, gotta be
1: in the mood for the dark knight like ba- batman batman and robin and robin robin,
0: force you to be in the mood for it you stick it on just, in the back
1: you stick it on in the background and just it's like it's like letting off a really yeah. nice incense stick you just sort of like, and it, oh, do you know what? Yeah, all right. Like, and, it is and awful. It's a shame it is awful, you can,
0: but it's so but you can much also fun. See, you can also see where it could be retooled into the sort of darker version that Schumacher wanted to make. Mm, yeah. Um, because he really wanted to do year one.
1: Unfortunately, he, you know, uh, yeah. had people write it the way it was written and he decided yeah. to light it the way it was lit. And it was like, yeah. Joel, I'm not sure you knew how to do the film you wanted to make just yet. Now, we know we wanted to afterwards because... There was going to be a sequel, which the, the 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 most common title attributed to it was Batman Triumphant. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was going to be um, a follow-on. Clooney was going to reprise his role. O'Donnell was going to reprise his role. Um, Alicia Silverstone, I think, was tied into it as well to return as Batgirl. And the villains were going to be Scarecrow. Played either by because depending on which contract negotiation it was nearest the near green light that the film had either by Nicholas Cage or Christopher Lloyd. I saw John Travolta. I saw him listen. I don't know if it was ever for Scarecrow. Back, back that might back have when, been that might have been for one of the following pitches. Yeah, Schumacher back, was involved back,
0: in a couple of them. Back back when uh, it was in development, I remember reading. In the magazines at the time. Got in Starburst that, that, and... That John Travolta... I think it was SFX. Uh-huh. That John Travolta was... Uh... Or Sex, as it most commonly looked to be
1: called, based on how they placed the covers. Yes. Yeah, was, um, yeah. was um, That always was got me the the awkward looks at Morrisons. Um, yes. 12-year-old me buying it, because it's got Buffy as the main story, and there's Spike on the cover, and I'm handing over a magazine that looks like it's called Sex, because the characters sex. in front of the X. <laughs> six the magazine um so yeah and it was gonna gonna have harley quinn in it uh played by either uh madonna which when you hear that you're like that is so fucking joel schumacher casting right there or or courtney love uh and harley quinn was going to be the daughter of jack napier I don't know which um, of those is. I know, worst, right? To be honest, <laughs> but she, she was going to have been the daughter of Jack Napier, so the daughter of the Joker, who wanted revenge for her father's death from the first film, mm. and it got as far as contracts being negotiated for uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, Danny DeVito, Tommy Lee Jones, Jim Carrey, Schwarzenegger, Thurman, and Nicholson to reprise their roles for a Scarecrow nightmare sequence it got it got that far to the point where like and a couple of them signed jack had signed uh to do it which probably means Fuck. that when it all fell through he got some kind of buyout <laughs> from warner brothers it's like yeah. i thought you were gonna use me in your film we're not it making got, the film anymore a then you owe that me that some helmet. money motherfucker um and they would have paid him money um yeah because he already has a massive fund of specifically jack napier money uh yep. which is so weird so weird. Yeah, he got, wasn't stupid on those he negotiations. Got a percentage it, of the back end, and anytime someone uses Jack Napier, he gets paid a lot of cash. It was a hell of an agent he had then. Yeah, DC recently have obviously been splashing cash because there's been at least two instances where that name's been used in storylines recently. In there like, oh, all this way might have it. been his name, or it's like it must be like pennies on the dollar, though. Maybe. I mean, that being said, I think White. I think in White Knight, I haven't read it for a few months, but I think in White Knight, he's called Jack Napier. Like that's just his name. So it's like mm. they've they've definitely paid him something there. Like the Joker yeah. is called Jack Napier in it, um, but yeah. So so Schumacher like clearly had a passion for it, and then like you say, when the sequel fell through, Warner Brothers were bandying around ideas for a way to reboot the franchise, and it was Schumacher who was at the forefront of a year one adaptation. Yeah, uh, he wanted yeah. to do back to basics, uh, cast a younger Batman, origins of the character. He's just got back from his training around the world. And obviously the other other things were pitched, that version of Batman v Superman that um that Mr. Sunday movies and, and yeah, <laughs> the animation collaborator created a version of a while ago on YouTube, which is fucking wonderful. But he's dead. Um, <laughs> like that, you know, the, there was there were other sequels and other spin off and, and reboot ideas, but it's it's pretty obvious that Schumacher's pitching of year one, which then led to Darren Aronofsky being interested in doing a version of year one. Uh then led to the nolan version of year one which was batman begins and gave us the dark knight uh, and and the like so again oh batman and robin killed batman yeah but guess what the guy who killed batman led you down the path that brought you the nolan version yeah and not just because he killed it and they were like we have to do the polar opposite because his film killed it in scare quotes and then he pursued doing a reboot that was back to basics. Like,
0: say what you will about the choices he made and and the and the end products, but I don't think you can ever accuse him of not caring about the work he was doing.
1: Oh god no. I mean like from from from, from the clear joy of working with these essentially living action figures. Yeah? Like he's yeah. having fun doing that. He the the neo-gothic architecture that suddenly now has got all this grecian influence that like you have these massive yeah. statues throughout Gotham. Um he was a very very out gay man and did yeah, not yeah. hide that at all in his work and and sexuality is a big thing did um, not shy away um, from batman like and robin. loving
0: depictions of the male body and yeah. male physique cuz
1: it's it's, which, the, it's you know. there in batman forever but in batman and robin it's like it, he does the same thing as tim burton batman is tim burton making a batman film based on what batman was at that time and and the comics yeah. and the style Batman Returns is Tim Burton making a Tim Burton movie that has Batman characters in it. Which, I hate to say, is why it's a better film. I disagree, but fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like, Batman Forever is Joel Schumacher (laughs) making a less gothic version of what Tim started with his two films. Yeah. Batman and Robin is Joel Schumacher going, Give me nipples! I want I, nipples. I, I, think, I want more neon. I want oh, just just for the people who fancy ladies, let's have a strip tease. But she's gonna strip tease out of a giant gorilla
0: costume. Yeah, love it.
1: Because I think I'm not that, fucked about that.
0: As much as we mock the sort of cartoonishness of it, I think it would have been darker if it hadn't been for the the sort of production company pushing the action figures. And well, things yeah, like that. Kenner designed like, everything. It would have been, been put it in the
1: film. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I think it if we might have got something a bit less compromised. It would have been not only fun but fun and probably better. Maybe I mean, We're Akiva, good, Akiva but... Goldsman's written amazing films, but the script for Batman and Robin
1: is fucking garbage. <laughs> like it's really yeah. bad, and the best stuff in yeah. it is Michael Gough because he was always yeah. great as Alfred. Um yeah. Uh, the 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 I like Freeze's suit. Like I legit like that version of the Freeze armor. Yeah. Obviously, the neon kind of highlights the musculature of it a bit, but, like, fuck it. Why not? Like, he wants to appear big and intimidating and scary, so go for it. And I think Uma Thurman, if you could just take what she's doing, her look, her style of performance,
0: and teleport
1: it back 30 years and put it in the Adam West show... It she is the Adam fits West show. right in. It is. So, she fits in you know. so well. O'Donnell um, gets to be more of an action hero in Batman and Robin than he does in Batman Forever. But at the same time, there's a bit. There's still a bit of a whiny brat about Schumacher's version of Robin. Yeah. That, yeah. that on reflection, based on other characters he's written for, especially young male characters, you're like, I think that was just kind of his thing. Like his thing is yeah. just a slightly bratty, buff young dude, probably. Um, <laughs> Like Clooney, Clooney's shit in Batman and Robin, but he's acknowledged that he's shit in it. Like he yeah, hasn't, he's apologized yeah. for being shit in it. Um,
0: like he's doing a thing. Alicia I do it is, but he's
1: doing it. Alicia Silverstone is shit in it. She's really oh, bad. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. Um, but you've got all these. I don't mean, ag- argue. She's super miscast.
1: Oh yeah, Bane is so badly mishandled. But I think I think that was either Joel or Akiva or whoever going. This guy was in a huge event that sold, like, gangbusters a few years ago. He's, like, the yeah. latest Batman villain. Everyone fucking loves him. Just put him in it. And they took one look at, like, the cover of that Nightfall issue where he was breaking Batman's back and that stupid steroid musculature of half of those drawings. They took one oh, look God, at it. yeah. They took one look at it and went, right, so he's a big muscly guy. Cool. And then they just went with it. And they were like, we'll just do that. That's, so he's not that's Bane. All we got. He's not Bane in any way no. except the look. And no, it's like, no. It looks great. It's a great-looking Bane. It looks like if Saban had done a Batman TV series in the 90s. Yeah. like It looks like Power Rangers Bane. Um, except they probably would have got rid of the, the kinky studs off of his uh, his uh, choker and uh, I don't know. Bracelets. I think they complete the look. I mean, to the point where they, they're in the new Batman and Robin adventures, the redesigned Bane has, has kinky <laughs> yeah. studs. I'm looking at the figure right now, and he looks like an SM character.
0: I love a kinky um, stud.
1: You know, and Bane is ridiculous. But again, like just the bit parts are so wonderful. There's that woman who, I can't remember who it is now. She's, I think she's Bob Kane's wife and she plays a reporter. She plays a gossip Gertie in Batman forever and Batman and Robin. Um, just camp as christmas pat hingle still doesn't have much to do but that they make him sort of like this <laughs> he just sort this... of stands around
0: and looks yeah. lost.
1: but but now he's kind of like everyone around it like the reporters ask him questions and and everyone's yeah, a bit yeah. more friendly with him now because in the, in the burt movies they don't give a fuck about gordon um you've got like john glover giving a fucking brilliant performance with the five oh, minutes of screen
0: time he has as dr jason woodrow wondrous that is wondrous I'm afraid you'll have to die.
1: (laughs) It's like, what are you doing, John Glover, apart from devouring the scenery?
0: That's Um, what that entire film is, though, to be fair.
1: Oh, it's full. The the sexualized imagery in that film is like, it's off the fucking scale. And it's, it's, it's it's, it's part hilarious, part empowering, all stupid. (laughs) But it's, it's just entertaining. I mean, everything, it's oozing with it. Like, Hmm. oh God. But, that was where I, I I learned something this week in all the stuff. Uh, I had a little watch of uh, this week's uh, Fat Man Beyond before, because they put out a really hold short... Hold that thought, because I've,
0: I've got to switch um, off my phone and move it to, to my tablet. So hold that thought for two sets. All right, I'll have put a ninja edit in there, and that'll have fixed it. But say, you you were saying about Fat Man or Batman. They put a short episode Fat out. Fat Man um, Beyond. Um, a short
1: one than usual is
0: because is Kevin Smith had a, another
1: engagement, but they wanted to like meet up and get some news out. And they talked a bit about the passing of Joel Schumacher, but they highlighted the fact that he alleged in one interview that he had had sex with 20,000 different men. <laughs> and it's one of those where you go like, okay, he's obviously just like doing a roundup number there, but apparently it's not the first time anyone has talked about the fact Joel Schumacher got Laid like a uh, lot.
0: I, I can believe it. And
1: yeah, again, he was very he was a very out gay man and and very proud of it. And it shows in a lot of the films. Like he he champions kind of sort of, I guess, the ideals and, and, and things he wanted to see growing up as a gay man in cinema. Like, yeah. which is why suddenly Batman, like, he, he points out in the behind the scenes documentary, so Batman and Robin, again, in particular, more so than forever, that like there is an inherent sexuality to the idea of a person being so confident in themselves that they can go out and save the world wearing yeah. a skin tight thing to show that they are ready to take on the world. Yeah. And that's why, that's why the suits, because he's like, he's, he's like Batman. He's, he's a Greek God. Like that's what he is. He's, he, he's swooping down to yeah, save yeah. us, lesser men. So that's why the suits suddenly have sculpted musculature. It's not, Suggested musculature. Musculature. It's not um shaped like, say, the Affleck suit. Mm. It's not. It's not hinted at in the costume, like the Bale costume. Like it's yep. flat out nipples, like abs. You know, pectoral muscles. All the bits um, and pieces. So we put it all in there. Yeah, like he he was absolutely on reflection. Absolutely, he was going. Yeah, that's hot. <laughs> yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that you is know. hot. That is hot. Um, it's it's ev- nice everyone, to see. It's nice to see that sort of. Show. Again, we've talked before about. Again, I, I, I hope they come up with a new collective terminology for this in the future because it's a very sort of old school way of thinking. But the male gaze and the female gaze is in reference to a film trope where. Um, something on screen is done specifically to uh, spike the sexual interests t- t- of t- a female audience. Member. Yeah, and then it's, it's referred to the male gaze whenever it's a female character, and it's referred yeah. to the female gaze whenever it's a male character. Uh, again, they need to come up with new names, because obviously, it, we're not fucking batteries. Yeah, um, we, we're... Uh, you know, we, the, there, the, the sexual spectrum is wider. as sin. It's, it's not a binary, um,
0: shall we say. Yeah, they, they,
1: should, they, they should call it some, like, you know, I don't know. Woman candy and man candy. I know that's more derogatory, but it's also a derogatory trope anyway. It can be used stylistically, sensitively, and for fun, tongue-in-cheek, but it can also be used in a really kind of... Really? For example, um, uh, da-da-da-da-da, like, poor exemplar, uh, Chris Hemsworth getting his kit off in the Vacation reboot is tongue-in-cheek. The way that's played, that sort of gag. Yeah. Alice Eve standing there in her underwear in Star Trek Into Darkness. Oh god, Bad that's taste. awful.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. One of the, the, most there are ways. Examples, there are I ways
1: think. to do it. There are ways to do it. The Marvel films very heavily lean into the female gaze. Um, there are yeah. a lot of examples in the MCU movies of the dudes being kind of just just shown off a bit to camera. In a way oh, that yeah, is not designed, yeah, yeah. in a way that's not designed to be like, wow, they look like they got really ripped for this, in a way that is designed to make you go, oh fucking hell, hello. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and they've done that because it's so much been heavy the other way over the years. Yeah. Um the, the Marvel films have obviously gone, do you know what? Let's let's make it, make it all acceptable by balancing the scales It using our platform. Yeah. Um, Joel Schumacher fills his movie specifically Batman and Robin, uh, fills it with the female gaze. Absolutely fills it with the female gaze. Yeah. But in this movie, it was Joel's gaze. Yeah, well, yeah. Spell however you want to spell it. It was yeah. Joel's gaze. Um, and he, he's loving it. So uh, the, the uh, I'm trying to remember the name, name of the guy and I'm really annoyed, but the guy who runs the scum and villainy cantina that Fat Man Beyond tends to record at. Oh,
0: yeah, uh, I can tell you.
1: He did, he did the calculations off the top of his head of how many men Joel Schumacher would have had to have slept with over a certain amount of years to have hit twenty thousand, yeah. And he surmised that it was something like he had to have slept with like sixty men, um, like you know without breaking the streak or whatever. Uh, so some so, so like sixty different men, uh, in thirty odd years, uh, what per year in thirty years, something like that, or um, like a uh, hundred and something in twenty years or something like that. I was like, that's... okay. The guy had been in the industry for about forty years, and he was eighty. So let's say he started his sexual um, sort of you know, conquest at the age of twenty. That's sixty years of fucking, and that's also not to say that it was just one dude in the room every time with him.
0: Yeah, I mean, so it, the 20, if you wanna 000, get nuts thousand. Let's get nuts. <laughs>
1: Book ending it.
0: Batman and
1: Robin was always going to be the end of the
0: quadrilogy. I think we can. I think we can call Joel (laughs) Schumacher's career and life a win. Yeah, the dude. The dude lived. The dude fucking lived. Yeah. So we're celebrating three, the lives of three legends uh, uh, this week, and that's um, a sobering a thought as we sort of move into. Whatever fucking phase of lockdown and civil unrest comes next with uh, all the shit that's going on in the world with
1: <laughs> oh, God. fucking
0: Black Lives Matter needing to keep the momentum up because that shit's not getting any better with mm. transphobia rampant and rife and with coronavirus ravaging the world still.
1: But Just hey, don't taking worry. taking some
0: time to remember three people who... Did some great stuff with their lives and uh, hopefully that we can sort of go from that example.
1: Things are looking up, though, because the President of the United States doesn't need two hands to drink a glass of water. So I guess everything's going to be fine now.
0: Don't. Don't. I can't. I can't.
1: Do you remember how one of our first episodes was us during the presidential campaign of 2016 talking about how if he won, it would basically be like stupid Lex Luthor getting into the White House?
0: This stupid and incompetent Lex Luthor. I was gonna so. say I,
1: I I think even comparing him to Lex Luthor, despite in a derogatory way, you know, like or even more derogatory. Yeah. I think we're
0: insulting Lex Luthor. Well yeah, yeah, one could say that. <laughs> one could say that. Um Good God. But I think I think that's a good place to leave it for the week. With in this in celebration of uh <laughs> of three uh, excellent lives and careers. Denny O'Neill, Ian Holm, Joel Schumacher, we're the Big Damn Cast. Salute you. Bye, Jingo. And uh, we also salute you at home. Uh, and we'll see you here next week. Uh, stay safe and all that. Um, wash your damn hands. Be good to each other. Wash your damn hands. Wear a fucking mask. Please, yeah, Very important. Please but, wear a mask. But if you need to take your gloves off to type us an email, please do. We're going to catch up with some yes. emails next week. So, yeah, big got, contact I... at gmail.com. I've got a couple uh, that that I wanted to catch up on this week, but my phone is draining faster than it can charge, so I'm having to Skype on the tablet, which is where I do the emails, so I can't get to the emails because I'm Skyping Christopher's face. It's just a whole thing. I'm having some tech problems. The heat is not good for any of this tech.
1: Yeah, we're recording this on the current hottest day on record. Oh, my God. (laughs) Matt's in a vest and I'm Porky Pig in it. I have been. So... uh, You the don't know. i have not tilted the camera
0: down. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Chris doesn't know if I'm wearing anything below the waist, so.
1: I mean, I see the way fumes, I'm seeing, I might not wearing
0: anything below the chest. This could be a crop top. You wouldn't know. Oh, my God. Maybe it is. How's uh, that for your female gaze? Please um, email in. BigDownContact at gmail.com. How
1: are you staving off the heat? Uh, got any questions you want to catch up for us? We'll do some catch up at the start of next show. Uh, you can of course hit us up on Twitter throughout the week at Big Damn Cast, and of course, nearly you forget you can support the show and everything we do Patreon.com/slash Big Damn Cast. Any shekel be good shekel. You can join us on the Discord. It's filthy in there. It's dirty. We love I won't a shekel. Mind telling you, it's dirty. And of love course, catch up live streams every Monday, Friday, and sometimes every Twixt on Twitch.tv/slash Big Damn Stream. Aye um, aye. Twitch, please remove the sexual predators off your form, or off your bloody platform. Uh, and the world will be a
0: slightly better place. We I mean, say that for so many platforms at the moment, it's a real shit show out there. I know, I mean, at least they've not caught us yet, because we're murderers. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, he just said that. I'm sorry, I'll stay Play the
1: theme! Play Yay! the theme!